Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and this is episode 66. And today we're going to be continuing our Nuns and Duns series, What Might Religion Look Like from a Non-Religious Perspective? How might faith and faith communities and experiences be understood from that angle? And what might we learn from those stories? It's going to be a great episode. Let's do this! Hey everybody, thank you guys so much for joining us once again on this episode. And this is going to be an extra special one. We have a couple with us. It's a couple that my wife and I have gone to know over the last few years, and it is such an honor to have them join us on this episode. So how are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. 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 Thank you. How are you? Oh man, you know what? I've just been thinking about being locked in for the last year and all the changes it's had on my family and on life. How are you guys coping? Uh, pretty, pretty well, um, as well as anyone can, I think. And, um, you know, we've managed to, to um, take advantage of some of the silver linings that um, the time has brought. And um, we're just trying to enjoy the time as best as we can. Yeah, I think it was an adjustment period for sure. I think we're still kind of working on living together in such like close proximities and for like you know ongoing ongoing period of time and but you know what like we're thankful for a lot of things like you know we're all very healthy and like we were getting to spend time with the kids and we're learning a lot more about the kids that we would probably would not learned if they were in school and daycare so it's been really good learning about each other more you know trying to work together um as a unit right so that's always uh, a challenge yet also it, it's it's helping us build a relationship i feel like too nice nice i completely resonate with you guys i am blown away by how fast my daughter is getting used to using a computer i'm like she's in grade one how does she know how to use a chat how to log on to an online meeting how to send her homework into her teacher i was like how is this possible she's just grade one but you know what? This is what pandemic life has led us to. Anyways, we're just going to jump right into our conversation today. And over the course of the series, we've been listening to the stories and experiences that have led individuals to choose whether or not they want to have a religious affiliation or identity or to leave a religious affiliation. Um, and so it's really cool that we have this kind of chance to, to chat together on, to, uh, on this podcast and just to listen to people's stories. And one of the things that I want to, you know, right off the top of the bat, just want to ask you guys, like, you know, if you guys were filling out a survey and you got to a question that said religious affiliation, how would you guys answer that question? Atheist. Right now, I guess I would say I'd be atheist as well. There was a point in my life, I think I would have said, like, maybe like experimenting with Christianity, but it kind of fell short in a way. So I don't know, like, I might be interested in looking back in that, but at the moment, yeah, atheist would be for me as well, too. Mm, thanks for sharing that. And I just want to ask, you know, what have been some of the experiences or the factors that have led you to make that decision for your own life? Well, for me, I think family has a big part to do with it. Growing up as an only child where, you know, your parents aren't really home, first off, you know, typical Asian 
I guess, mom and dad, but <laughs> also they themselves don't have affiliation. And therefore, you know, I sort of did it. Now, I also did go to Catholic elementary school and high school. So it's not as if I wasn't part of religion along the way. I was taught religion, I guess, as well as one could have been taught for, I mean, a decade, I guess. But, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, it didn't really resonate with me. And it wasn't something that I can put into practice. I didn't attend church weekly. I didn't have Sunday school. I didn't know anyone else. Well, I, I didn't know people that went to church, but they didn't take me with them. I mean, so uh, although I was introduced to religion and con was continually introduced to it, you know, throughout high school as well, it, it's almost like learning Chinese. I mean, you can learn how to write and you can know how to write at some point, And then if you don't do it, you kind of forget about it. So yeah, that's kind of my experience. So growing up, my mom was Buddhist and my dad, I guess he kind of follows suit as well. Like he was never really strongly towards anything, but I think what my mom does, he'll follow. My sister is actually Christian and my, I have two sisters. So my, the older of the two is Christian and then the little youngest one is atheist. So there was a point, yes, like I mentioned that like I dabbled into the Christianity as well. And like I had... Uh, went with friends I was trying to I guess pursue people to join the Christian culture right and the faith right so he took us to one of these like concerts right and then so you know at the end they say okay so if you want to join this like you want to be part of our family stand up with guys are closed right and then so you know my, my me and like my other guy friend we stood up and then it became like I felt like I was like oh part of this family right but then as he took me on these like mini tours, I guess, to different churches, I couldn't really see myself fitting in with anybody or any church. I couldn't really find like that church. I'm like, yeah, this is where I want to continue my faith and like my Christian journey. So it fell to the wayside a little bit. And then from then I just haven't pursued it. So like, I know there is like, obviously a greater source, right? And if it was God or anybody, like I know everything for me, like in the end, I think became like, you know what, I believe everything happens for a reason. And like, whether it's through God or somebody or with the universe, like, and you know, like the Buddhist or anybody, but it's like, I guess for me, it was just like, that's like my belief with our things happen for reasons. And this is my path. This is, you know, I was supposed to be on this spiritual roller coaster maybe, and maybe I'll come back and find my way there later on. But as of right now, it's just like, I think it sounds bad, but I feel like I'm just too busy to even like pursue anything, you know, or like dabble into it again. But yeah. Mm, thanks you both for sharing that. I have a follow-up question for both of you. So I'm going to start with the first one, which was, you know, you were talking earlier about having learned about religion all those years in school and felt that that was something you never really resonated with. Was there something in specific that in the way it was taught or what you were being taught that you felt that like, hmm, you know what? I don't really get that or I don't really believe that. So was there anything in particular that you felt that was like, oh, I don't really resonate with this at all? No, I, I wouldn't say it was one thing in particular. I think it's a variety of factors. Um, just me, again, you know, my wife has siblings. I don't. Being an only child, you kind of kept to yourself and you take the lead from others, the others being my parents, whom are not God-believing individuals. So, you know, although you know, my dad was baptized, and that's the only reason I was able to get into a Catholic school to begin with, but then, you know, if the 
foundational belief isn't there as a child, then the topic of religion is taught as a course that I just need to pass. It isn't something that is meant to instill anything in me or uh, reinvigorate my faith or, or help me grow that whatever it is inside of me to follow that. So to me, religion throughout you know, my elementary and high school days was always just a way to get an A. I mean, I always did well in it, but it, it nice. didn't really, <laughs> thanks. But uh, it wasn't really, it, it was very surface level, I guess you could say. It wasn't something that affected me deep down. Hmm, understandable. And the other follow-up question that I had was, you know, when you were talking about kind of going on this tour of different churches and you felt that I can't really see myself fitting into this was there something in specific that you felt that you couldn't connect with or fit into? What was kind of that experience like? I think in my mind, because the first time when I went to that concert, I felt like it was very inviting, very warm, very welcoming. But when I like went to different churches to attend service and all that, it just felt like everyone was very clicky already. Mm. So it wasn't like someone came and it's like, Oh, welcome. Like, I guess I had that in my mind. Like someone would say, Hey, welcome to our church. You know, but like, you know, maybe show me around really quick or like, you know, just like ins and outs of like the church, but it was just like, everyone kind of just dispersed in their groups. And then I felt like I was standing there alone, like not sure where to go, what to do. Like, you know, like what was the next steps? Like, and I'm not sure because it was like the church routine, right? So obviously the, I found later, it's like, oh, there's Sunday school and like there's everyone kind of, or people will go out for lunch and all that, right? But it was just like kind of isolating in a way. So I don't know if it was just misunderstood in my part, right? but it, I just felt very like, not really how I imagined it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's why I kind of didn't really keep pursuing it because I was like, well, where do I even go now? And I'm, do I just go into random churches by myself right and then it just seemed kind of like and eh, that's not really like me to do that by myself I just felt like I don't know I, I don't do things by myself I feel like at that time like when I was growing up at that time like I just always needed somebody with me or like you know just for you know for any kind of companionship or security yeah, or something yeah you know, yeah I think as a girl you kind of just don't want to walk around right know, aimlessly trying to look for a church I mean there's lots of them around I'm sure and yeah. lots of great ones but yeah you probably would have relied on the advice of like the friend that introduced you to Correct. one in the first place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I did want to ask both of you guys, coming from an atheistic perspective, what is your impression upon religion, faith, spirituality? How would you describe them? You know, it's, it's funny because I think to me, a lot of those words are interchangeable. I, I don't know, maybe because they're always used in unison. And so therefore, I think they're interchangeable and they're probably not. But I think everybody hangs on to something. As human beings, we all believe in something. Even I, as an atheist, believe in something. And it just happens to be that what I believe in isn't to be Christianity or even Buddhism, which, you know, my parents are kind of, I guess, more leaning towards. There's nothing wrong about it. I think, you know, as, as humans and human nature goes, we all need something to look forward to, something to strive for, something to try to achieve. You know, for me, it's like utilitarianism. So I always try and do better, you know, for the greater good instead of focusing on myself all the time, which can be hard at times, you know, and I'm sure that's one of the parables that's, you know, in the Bible as well. It's just part of human nature. You know, we all try and look for something bigger than ourselves to leave a lasting impression, you know, by the time we go. Mm, something to hold on to. Yeah. 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 Like, I agree. Like, I think it's like we all kind of believe in 
something or someone, but it's just labeled differently, you know, or it's like everyone believes in a higher source of some sort, but it may not be like, you're not really leaning towards Christianity, you're not leaning towards Buddhism or like whatever, you know, like, because based on like our parents, right, like we have to follow things that we don't really believe in, but because they believe in it, so we have to just do it kind of thing, right? So like, we just move, right? So it's like, we have to do certain things to like there's different ways of blessing the house, right? So like there's the Buddhist way and there's probably a Christian way. You know, there's so many different ways, but like we just follow, I guess. I think I feel like we're, we follow because we have to please our parents in a way. Mm. Whether or not we believe in it, we do it. Because, and then so I feel like if our parents were Christian or, you know, we would, we would do whatever that would be, right? Because we don't really have like a base of faith. It's weird because I feel like it's also if we don't do it, then what if something happens? So then it becomes like, is it coincidental? You know, and like, because my dad's a very strong, like, feng shui believer. So and then it's like, oh, you know, it was, you can't put this here because of X, Y, Z. And, and then if you do put that there and X, Y, Z does happen, you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> put that there, right? And then it's like, it becomes, this, it messes with your head, I think. Right? But like, sorry, that's like off topic. But yeah, like, I feel like it's just, in, like for me personally, like anything that happens, I feel like, okay, that's something that happened, must have happened for a reason. I don't know who's dictating it, but it must have happened for a reason. And it's like, but for me, my morals is just like, you know what, be a good person and like, like do good to people. So like treat other people like how you want to be treated kind of thing. Right. And then just kind of like, just have good morals and like, in the end, just be a good person. And then hopefully things go well to, with you too. And then like, you know, it's not like, oh my gosh, this is like the worst path I'm on. And like, who, why would they put me through this path? Like, it's just anything, any obstacles that come my way, I feel like I try to take it as a lesson and either like, you know, overcome that challenge or be better kind of thing, right? And I think like my husband was saying, like, just be better and like, you know, be better, the best person that you can be in the end, regardless of who you believe in, I guess. There was a lot in what you said, I think, because you guys mentioned things like honoring your parents and like honor and shame is a huge part of, you know, the Asian narrative and, you know, spirituality and different faiths are part of the Asian narratives too. And so, you know, this is kind of just a brief follow-up question, but do you guys feel that religion, spirituality has a specific place or priority within kind of the Asian story? My immediate answer is going to be no. And the only reason it would be no is because I feel that the modern day Asian is taken under the wing of their parents. So back to, you know, me not being religious because my parents weren't, someone may be religious, you know, because they're introduced to it as a young child and they go through it until they're an adult. You know, at, at some point, it's up to that individual or the modern day Asian to then ask themselves, why am I really in this? You know, I, I think in anything that you do in life, I mean, let's step outside the religion box for a second, but anything you do in life, why are you doing it? You know, you have to have a reason for doing what you're doing. It doesn't matter if it's religion or if it's school or anything big or small. It's got to be a reason that drives you to do it. And at some point, I think it's not enough to say, well, I've been doing it my whole life. Right. I mean, we kind of yell at our kids for doing the same thing over and over that leads to a bad result, you know, whether it be doing something silly that gets them hurt all the time or whatever it may be. So right off the top for me is a no. I, it's not an answer that I've delved into, obviously. So just take it at surface level. 
I feel like it maybe depends on the household because I do know there are very like strong Christian parents as, that have like probably guided their children to the same Christian or Catholic faith, right? Like it's just like it's been like we have to go to church every Sunday or like, but it's like, yes, my husband had mentioned like it's obviously up to the individual, the modern Asian parent to if they want to keep pursuing it. And I, I feel like there are people that do still believe because that's what they were they've done since they were young because they've seen their parents do this and they the parents are very strong believers and like, you know, and they still go to church or like there's two extremes, but you know, there's like two sides, right? Like there's the Buddhist and then there's Christian Asians. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, like, sorry. I, I, maybe I'm not the most informed person to speak about. I mean, being an atheist myself, I'm don't, I can't say I surround myself with the most Christian of individuals. Right. But, you know, growing up, I, I can only reference, you know, what I know growing up and who I know today as an adult and those that identify with themselves as either Catholic or Christian, especially in high school, they never attended service. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, that to me seemed like the very most basic thing is to just show up. I mean, you know, in life, the most basic right. thing you can do is show up. Right. So if you can't even show up for the person that you're supposed to believe in, I kind of that is kind of where I have a little question mark, but I mean, who am I to it question? I am personalities too, right? Like the different yeah, people. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're teenagers. They have thoughts for themselves. And I think as parents, the, the parents themselves probably do attend, but they don't want to force the child to, but then the child probably grows up to be an adult and does check off that Christian box, you know, on the piece of paper, you know, so there are varying degrees to it. I mean, I have a few people in mind that, we still talk to right mm-hmm. and i feel like they're still very strongly in the christian faith and they, I, I know who you're talking yeah, about and they still right. go to church if they in, you know they still they instill it right. in their children and everything so right. i feel like that like the modern day asian parent like that would just yeah. continue that right but yeah. yeah but there are some people i oh, feel for sure. like for sure who knows right but i know like my mom has like her best friend from elementary school is a uh, christian and she's like super super christian. like you know like, i mean what's super christian but like she's still goes to church every day or not every day but like every sunday and like you know i don't know if her kids go but she's like still believes and like she's always been the same to me so but like so i don't know it, i guess it all it's varying degrees right like depending on the person the personality like and sadly it might even be like the convenience sometimes it's inconvenient or sometimes maybe doesn't work the relationship right because i i remember like my previous boyfriend was Christian and I wasn't. So he was very torn if he could even date me because he was told that he cannot, you can't date someone that wasn't Christian. Right. So there's that too. Right. Cause I, I believe it, it's a factor in family. If you're trying to have a family or, you know, even get married, right. Like if you're not in the same religion, that's a challenge. I think it depends. It depends. Final it depends. answer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good answer and it's your answer. And I love it. A million dollar answer. It depends. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And so for you guys, like, what are some of the foundations you go to to make decisions about your life, about how you raise your family, you know, how to make kind of major life decisions? How do you guys kind of work through some of that? In unity, I guess. I mean, yeah, with that's each a other, good answer. Being very open, and um, you know, it's not obviously, you know, again, because we identified today on the show that we are atheists. It's not about the man upstairs or anybody else. It's just about 
us and our children. And, you know, children are always a driving force of everything that you do once your parents. And so, you know, as an example, a bigger house, you know, obviously it's for them first and foremost. And any other life decision, we just kind of, yeah, we work it out together. Communication for sure, right? Yeah. Being on the same page. Yeah. I mean, we don't always agree on everything, right? So it's just always talking it out, hearing both sides, like even like pros and cons list sometimes I try to bring out, right? And it's just like, okay, how does this, is it really beneficial to like move to this house or like, you know, should we just stay at our old house, you know? And then with kids, I feel like, like we've said, you know, we always want our kids to be good people, right? Like we just always teach them be good people. Like we don't want you to treat people poorly but also like it's just keeping an open mind I feel like but I think with COVID it's been really hard to focus on like things like that sometimes because it's just like kids are kids right and it's like even though yes there's germs but I have OCD which is another story but it's just hard to keep them as kids when they're like touching everything you're like don't touch anything please right so I feel like it's like I suck the fun out a little bit but I mean in the end like as long as I tell them like the reasoning behind it. So they don't just sound, I don't sound like a crazy mom, but you know, like, Hey, you know, even like with the emotions, right. Feelings like, Hey, you know, mommy was just having a really bad day and because blah, 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 you know, and it's, you know, I didn't mean to like raise my voice or whatever. Just like, I'm just trying to be open with my children as well. Like as like, we're all human and this is a very tough situation to be in. And, And also being in an Asian household, like from, you know, growing up, Asians like pent up a lot of emotions. So I try <laughs> to teach my children or our children to like, it's okay if you want to cry or it's okay if you're upset. It's okay. Like just tell that, let us know what's wrong. Like I don't want them to bottle it up right where it's like, we probably bottled up so much emotion. We had no idea how to like, you know, release it or how it came out all crazy. So overall just communication all around and just like trying to understand for me also keeping an open mind, I think with like how my husband feels about certain things and like, you know, how we should, because I can get very stuck in my ways too. So he keeps gives an open mind and it's like, Oh yes, you're right. You know what? I need to sometimes step out of my comfort zone and it's okay. Right. Like, you know, it's okay, dear. We're both horses. Anyways, just to ask one last question for both of you guys. And I think this is something that would be really informative for, for me and, you know, some of our listeners and it's because, you know, I realize my biases when I see the world and, and when I think about religion and such like that. And I wanted to ask you guys, from your perspective, like, do you see churches and religious communities offer any positive impact to our society and culture? Or do you feel like they offer a negative impact to our society and culture? And you could be as real as you want with this question or this answer. My answer is going to be both. I think back to what I was saying earlier, I think at the end of the day, religion, and no matter which religion you believe in, offers that individual hope and the chance at something greater and something to look forward to, you know, especially for those individuals that are not as lucky as ourselves, they need something to hang on to. And a lot of times that is religion or faith or spirituality. I I, I don't believe that religion is a bad thing at all. My wife and I used to live across a church church is a somewhat newly built church maybe it's what honey like less than 10 years old probably less yeah. than six years old i don't even know we in, right, right. We um greek orthodox i want to say it is and it's an enormous church 
that is vacant. I mean, how many hours there are in a week? It's only in use four hours a week. And when they do go in there, there's fireworks. So it's like there's always a party somewhere. I'm just it's not. Insane, but, but it's not even. It's not even a steady four hours a week either. So I just. I mean, I'm not Greek Orthodox. I don't know what the schedule is like. But to me, I think at at some point having ownership of a church, you know, for the owner can be very beneficial. I think it can also be used completely inappropriately, not for religion, strictly for cash. That I don't know. I mean, I was a commercial banker, so I kind of have an idea. But for the most part, I do believe it is for the greater good. That that one example of bad is a very rogue example, and I don't really see it happening all across Toronto. However, you know, it, just because it's it was so close to proximity to our house, we kind of have that image in our minds. But I, I can't say that it can be. It would be bad for something to give the world some hope, especially in a time like this. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's. I'm leaning more towards like it's better, like it's good, it's it's more positive than negative because that you can say that's like a real example. But I think the only way it would be negative is if it's the personality, the person like misconstruing what like their faith is telling them to do, or like it's like because I feel like as humans we should own up to our own actions, right? And obviously we're in the end, depending on our faith, we are humans. We are grown adults, right? That should obviously know from right from wrong, right? So, and I feel like if people do bad, they not blame the faith, but they say, oh, like this faith told me to do this or whatever, you know? And it's like, I'm, that's just like my perception. But like, for the most part, I feel, yes, it's positive. And, you know, I know I've seen even like influencers, like celebrities, sometimes they talk about the Bible on Instagram or like, you know, they're like very like driven by the Bible and they kind of encourage people, hey, like there's a lot of bad going on in this world. But you know what? Like I am holding on to this Bible. And she'll say like, this is Candace Cameron Bury. So she's a true like Christian and she's such a huge believer that she'll even show us scriptures and like she'll have the Bible and she'll explain how she feels. Like, so it's, I feel like it depends on the person and how they perceive what the Bible is telling them or what their faith is telling them. Right. Because in the end, like as humans, as adults, we have to own up to our actions and like for the most part, it's all good, but there's some people there that do bad. And I don't know, they may not be Christian or they may not be Catholic or whatever, but you don't know what their religion is, right? They could have grown up in a pure Christian household or pure, you know, Greek Orthodox, any like religious household, but then they're, you know, doing bad in this world. We don't know. That's like a background story, right? Like we don't really know. But I mean, in the end, like I believe faith and religion and everything is all for the good, right? Like, and like my husband said, like it's hope for people that say, are struggling and like you know they need something to lean on and I know for example that's close because my sister the one who's Christian did lean on Christianity because she was struggling when she was in high school and she as an Asian family everything all the emotions were like suppressed that she didn't know where to go so she really turned to Christianity and she it saved her almost you know so I think there, yeah like there's something that's there that is it's positive yeah, sure. it's it's like a ninety percent positive thing. Yeah. I think to me, the only other thing I would add to the ten percent is really to your point, more to of the person 
behind right. the religion. We kind of lose sight sometimes that everyone matters and we need to respect everyone's beliefs regardless if they are alike or not. And so I, as an atheist, cannot run around and cram atheism down anyone's throat just as I wouldn't expect someone to try and cram anything down mine. And, you know, being able to do that, we can all live wonderfully together. Um, and unfortunately, some of the instances that we see where, you know, it falls into that 10% is where, you know, I am Christian, you are not, or I am this and you are not. And that, for some reason, sparks hate. And at the end of the day, you know, I don't want to really offend anybody because, again, atheist position. So no one that's listening, take this with anything other than a grain of salt. But those that are living know nothing about what's on the other side. I, as an atheist, have no idea what's waiting for me when I close my eyes for the final time. For all I know, God is there and goes, you are a dumbass and you are going in this direction. I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, for that reason alone, I think we just really need to keep much more of an open mind, like you said, and, and just be okay with the fact that we believe in what we believe in and those that don't, don't. And it's perfectly okay to live in a world because we can coexist aside from that. Yeah. Um, and, and just respect everyone's like choices, right? And if say one, there was one bad seed in the Christian faith or whatever, it doesn't mean all Christians are bad, right? Or just like, oh, because of COVID, oh, all Asians have COVID. Like, it's like, we're not grouping everybody. Like, it's just, that's just in one off, you know, one off here, one off there. But overall, like everyone, again, are, in the end, we're all adults. We're all humans that make decisions. So it's like, just make your own good life choice, life decision that you're going to stick with. And everyone just respect everyone's choices. And Final answer, it. John. Final answer. Final answer. Final answer. answer. No, hey. it's better than it depends. I know. <laughs> hey, this was really cool. And I appreciated the honesty, the transparency, how you guys brought the complexity and realness of the human experience. And I think that was really great. And that you guys threw in a little bit of a full house reference there. I didn't ever think that that would ever happen on this podcast, but you know, it did. It did. And I'm glad it did. <laughs> so thank you guys both so much for being on this podcast. Thanks for having us. It was great. Thanks, John. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> one of the greatest things we can give one another is the gift of our stories and our experiences. And we are so honored that this married couple has shared their journey with us today. And so for our series of listening to the stories of those without any religious affiliation, I think in particular, this one falls more firmly in the nun category than any of our other ones have. And so there's kind of a lot to kind of unpack here and to reflect on and to learn from. As always, we've got Bernard, Shu, and Zina here with us today. How are you guys doing? Hey. Well, what? Hello. Hello, hello. So I just want to hear, what are, were some of your initial reactions right off the top of the bat? Okay, honestly, I was a little bit sad. Like, here are these people who've had so much interaction with the church, and like their experience of it was just really hard, and it wasn't particularly something that welcomed them, can I say that? Yeah. I was just thinking, wow, a bit on taking religion in school, but then like it being something that stayed up here, I'm pointing to my head. <laughs> And then also, but like the entering into Christian spaces, but then feeling, I also want to say, maybe they had a sense of the spirit. And then where were God's people, you know? 
So I think that was my first reaction. Mm. I once had a conversation with someone who also kind of attended a Christian concert and really loved it. I was really fascinated about the kind of her experience on it. She was like, yeah, man, the energy was so positive and like, it was so good. And then I was like, oh, like, you know, are you interested in, you know, visiting a church, connecting with someone, you know, like in a Christian community and whatnot? And she's, and then she said, no, because I'm afraid what they would say to me. I'm afraid that they would judge me. And then I was like, but like, but you, like, there's almost like this kind of weird dissonance, you know, like, it's like, yeah, I like it from an outside, but I just can't get inside. That's fascinating. That's really fascinating. Well, actually, to jump off Christian concert stuff, like, well, me and John have been to the, the best, like, most holy concert. I don't even know if you call it Christian, but <laughs> that U2 concert we went to. The Joshua like, Tree at, concert, yes. Yeah, the Joshua Tree concert was, man, that, that like, put any kind of musical, emotional, and then Bono was preaching too, right, John? Like, it was just like, you're at yep. that ec- ecstasy-ish level where you can only be in that kind of setting. I remember I was telling, you know, our band guys who were there with us, just like, yo, this is, this is like, I get why people think worship is like this. <laughs> Basically, church is trying to be this for so long, yet I think we failed <laughs> very miserably to try to be that. I don't know. I, I think about like I, I, I studied worship in, in seminary and, and you're from an ecumenical side, but a lot of that came from my like, contemporary worship. Heck, I became a Christian at a Christian rock concert. You know, like it's just like stuff like that. Like, like I, Amen. Yeah, Amen. I know, right? Like, so I can't get out of that. But yet to hear about the community side, it just, it just makes me think, you know, and thinking through all of our, you know, through the series, just how much that's a, a repetitive theme. Just that a community, you don't feel as connected. There is some disconnect with your community. And maybe that's just ultimately, you know, where the done, the doneness happens. Or you just, in the end, I can't connect with this community, with the relationships or with the pastor, the leader or whoever. There's some disconnect that happens on that community side. There's no jiving. There's no commonality anymore. I just feel like there's this, I don't feel comfortable you know, or I wasn't, I wasn't welcomed in by, by certain things. So I just feel like there, that, that, that's been like a common thread through this series with, with at least those who are on the done side. You know, I think what older evangelists would say, if our communal apologetic is not there, if, if the community isn't loving and, and are at least trying their best to connect, I, we're sunk right off the bat. And this is kind of where it brings it back to the story, too, is how many times in this conversation, too, how it connected to their own family experiences, you know, their own family of origin and not having it seen it in that way. And perhaps that has set something in their foundation of interpreting and understanding religion and faith in a certain way. And whether or not it was, you know, from a pseudo, you know, spiritual background or mixed in with Buddhism or or just hearing perhaps religion taught in the school, you know, it wasn't something that was regularly part of their lives. And it's totally understandable why they would just be like, well, you know, we've grown up this long without this, and we can understand the, you know, the framework of our lives in this way, why they would choose the decisions that they have chosen. And I think too, kind of jumping back into that conversation about the concerts and even about the school is that faith for them wasn't something that was embodied 
and perhaps they could have had experiences of it, but it wasn't really communally manifested in a way. And so I think it's perfectly understandable why someone would choose, you know what, that's not something that I would want to be continuing with. And by far, we're not the first people to talk about experience versus embodiment. I'm sure that's been talked about endlessly by many books, but I listened to the story. I don't know, there's something that even without any of that in their background, in their own history, they yearned for something to put their hope in. And they still yearned for something that was better than themselves, something that was better in humanity. And for me, really interesting just to listen to. I think that if anything, my hope is out of COVID is that we will understand why the church has to be embodied. That is important for community to happen, that the Eucharist can't happen without the body of Christ present. You know what? At the beginning of the pandemic, I was thrilled that we were online for multiple reasons, accessibility, et cetera, et cetera. But now I've come to the realization that much of our church expression actually has to be together. And unless we actually figure out what it looks like to be an embodied church and to preach an embodied gospel, we're going to keep hearing these stories over and over again. And one of the things that I've heard in the aftermath of some big scandals in the last couple of weeks is that people say, well, don't put your trust in people, put your trust in God. Well, I just, I want, as a warning, I just want to be able to say like, no guys and women, y'all. Yes. It's that the body of Christ is the one who witnesses to Christ. We actually need to own up to our part of the story in not being the witness to Christ that we were meant to be. Which is kind of interesting, as you were saying that too, like the embodiment aspect. We're kind of chewing on this as we've been talking about this. The experiences were a lot about like school and family, but then the Christian experiences were at a concert and like visiting churches. I'm just kind of wondering, like, is our Christian witnesses only happening in Christian concerts and inside our own church walls? Or are people actually experiencing, you know, Christians? in our everyday life, in just, you know, the mundane places and the social locations that we're situated in, where are Christians embodying the faith? I wonder if that is also part of like the question of like, as people are seeking to put their hope in something or wanting to see like this goodness of God may not be explained by other people as the goodness of God, but they're longing for something. But are Christians embodying that? Are Christians at least seeking to embody that? And is it happening like in the grocery stores? Is it happening in our local parks? Let's not even get into like, is that happening in our, our, our civic duties? You know, like, where is that happening? Because if it's only happening within Christian concerts and within the confines of our local gatherings, like, are we missing a big part of that? Actually, as you're sharing, Bernard, I'm wondering what it could be like that those type of connections and relationships have a greater part in shaping who we are as the church. More often than not, sometimes it feels like the other way around. It feels like you know that experience has to be contained, but rather it's like, oh, maybe that embodiment of our faith in our relationships with our neighbors and in our communities is more shaping of the church. And what could that look like? in terms of how we connect and relate to others, then we give it credit for. Well, I have a thought, like, which I'm sure most people won't agree with me, 
but I've wondered for a while how much the kind of chemistry matters, like relational chemistry and commonality matter with our engagement with people. Like there's almost like, I think in the church growth side, you know, it's almost like at times you, you take that one scripture, you got to be, it's almost like you got to be the Jew, the Jew, the Gentile means you got to be everything to everybody. It's like, you've got to make sure your church is able to do that or something like that. And I, I find that I wrestle with that, where it's just that there's almost like, I have to hit every single person or, or our, com- our church community has to be so engaging and, and welcoming and involved in all these different things that we can hit everyone. But the thing is that there's also the other side of the coin too, is that, well, people who are coming in the midst or, or observing or, you know, essentially seeing, you know, are, are we being witnesses to Christ? Like they're carrying their own baggage too, or they're having their own kind of issues that they're struggling with as well. So the thing is that, is it just like, we got to keep engaging every single thing, those people that we're going to, we're trying to connect to, or is there like, is there this kind of space where the spirit will also give us to like, oh yeah, this is good person that, that I'm leading you to, you know? And I find there's sometimes the the church anxiety of we have to reach all these single different people in all these single different circumstances or else it's almost like we, we failed. Like, I don't know if you guys have sensed that, but I, I feel that kind of pressure at times. And I think that we shouldn't be doing that either, but are we, you know, engaging beyond ourselves is, is a key thing. I feel that that's a kind of struggle at times that I'm wrestling with. I actually think the church should reach all people. It's just how we define the church. Because I think we often define the church as the local church, this, this kind of like singular entity of the local church, but not as the church, the larger church. Because I think like when we begin to learn that like we are part of a larger narrative, and, and, and you, you guys know me, like I'm way more ecumenical for like Christian or evangelical sake. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm more open than most people. But anyways, like just, just kind of understanding that like, yeah, like it's okay that like, you know, like we are part of the story. We are not the story. And I think like, that's kind of the beauty of it. And when we learn to, to shift our posture of like, when Paul says that, he is not just saying to one group of people, he's saying to the church. He's saying to a church of an entire city right? Like he's saying that like all of you guys that are out there that's living out this faithfulness, like you are to embody that, but each of you guys have unique social contexts, right? And so I think like, I think in in one way, I think we're called to that. We just need to readjust our understanding of church. And I think like, what would have happened when like, say the whole of city of Toronto, the Christians and the churches kind of come together. And then like, we are like carrying this common narrative, but expressing it differently and be able to be in the different pockets and, and different you know realities and situations around us and I, I think that's that's the beauty of the witness yeah that's what i struggle with and i still struggle with that <laughs> but i am also hopeful for that and maybe as we are hopeful we can meet people who are also longing for hope in their life Maybe that's a natural bridge. I think the other thing is that, like, when we welcome people, 
it's still asking for people's participation, right? It's not just come and sit in the pews and we will tell you everything. And you have to say the thing that fits my need. And if you don't say the thing that fits my need, then therefore I do not feel welcomed. Like that's not what welcome is about. Welcome is about invitation to a relationship. And so I, th- I wonder, like maybe we've been cultured too much by consumerism that we expect that churches meet every single one of our needs when actually maybe they're actually wants and not needs. And that's our role as ministry leaders and as pastors, right? Sometimes we're, we're that prophetic edge that invites people continually to relationship with God. And that does make people uncomfortable, but that doesn't necessarily negate the welcome that they're receiving. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think it's stirring up a quick thought in terms of, you know, the husband's sharing about how he learned religion, you know, eight, ten plus years, and perhaps never have experienced an invitation through all of that into something more, but rather it's something that is only abstract or conceptual. And it's not actually an invitation into, you know, a connection with God or connection into a community, but rather it's just primarily depersonalized. And I found that really interesting that, you know, Xenia, you kind of used the word invitation a couple times there. And I was like, oh, like in both stories we heard today, it's just that was that invitation part of what they had encountered, like an invitation into something beyond head knowledge and euphoric experiences, but rather to sharing life together and to desire goodness together and to open up space in those type of relationships to see how God might be showing up and making himself known and to not invite someone into organized, institutionalized religion, but rather a seeking out of hope together and to really open up opportunities for those who are embodying a faith and those who have no religious affiliation to journey together and to see what it leads to. Wow, this is really just the tip of the iceberg. We want to keep this conversation rolling along. And that's going to be it for us today, but we want to hear more about what you think. What's your reflections on this couple's story? What were they able to teach you? Give us a shout on our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook, or our email. That's contact.campodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate and review and subscribe and share our podcast to others. That helps us to get this conversation out there and invite more people to participate in it. We love hearing from you guys. and We love that this can be a space to examine and to reflect and to listen to one another's stories. On our next episode, we're going to be wrapping up our series and reflecting on all the stories that we heard. And what does this mean for us to move forward together? Once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. And on behalf of Shu, Xenia, Bernard, and myself, we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.